Well, markets have reacted far more sharply today over fears that Evergrande's debts in China will spread, not just to other sectors, but to other parts of the world. And that's got markets running for cover from stocks to bond and for currencies to the yen and the Swiss franc. We'll look at all of that today. But the worst performer has been the British pound. We'll look at why that is. It might be because they're going to have to go through winter with a beer shortage. Can you imagine? And the Canadian election. Well, we might not get an answer today because it's going to be very close indeed. It's Tuesday, the 21st of September, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So, big falls again in US stocks today. Right now, 1.7% falling the Dow and 2.1% down for the S&P and the Nasdaq. It was actually quite a bit uh, worse than that earlier on. Of course, it's all taking prices back to late August levels. So, it's not exactly a disaster, is it? And in currencies, an ever so slight move in the US dollar, but that really doesn't reflect the volatility in currencies today. The US dollar is down half a percent to the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc, but it's up 0.4% on the Canadian dollar. The Aussie dollar was down. 0.2%. It's clawed back almost all of that now. And the pound, the biggest loser of the majors, it's down 0.6% this morning. The lowest it has been for weeks and a fair bit of movement in bonds too. US 10-year treasuries down five basis points now below 1.31%. But you know what? It's been hanging around there for most of August and beyond, hasn't it really? Uh, It's uh, now just one basis point off Aussie 10 years or thereabouts. And as as Tapas was talking about yesterday, it's actually the the 30-year yield, which is seen Seeing uh, the uh, climb down in the United States, down another six basis points to 1.85% today. Yields down six basis points for 10 years in Canada and down five points in the UK too. And falls not quite as severe as that, but across most of Europe as well. And commodities down, WTI down 1.7%, uh, a lot better than it was earlier in the session. It was well over 2% earlier. Brent just above $74 now. Iron ore, copper, silver, all down. So what is going on? There's something going on, isn't there? Here's Ray Atrell from NAB in Sydney. It's uh, a lot of caution, isn't it? So this is uh, this is stemming from Evergrande, isn't it? The massive Chinese property developer that's got $300 billion in debts. It looks like uh, contagion has got everyone concerned, isn't it? That it could go uh, beyond China and beyond property. That's it, isn't it? I think that's exactly what's happening. Good morning, Phil. But um, yes, and obviously a pretty torrid day. Um, China was out yesterday, so it was really the the Hang Sang, so the Hong Kong stock market that was feeling the brunt. But in any event, you know, Evergrande is listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange as is most of as are most of the big uh, Chinese property companies. So we saw the property sector off what seven eight percent, and Evergrande itself, I think, off about fourteen percent. Something well, it's like the that. worst. It was nineteen percent at its worst. It did pick up a bit, but the Hang Seng, yeah. Three percent down overall, so it's had right. quite a big effect. Yeah. And we were already, and we, and we were already seeing some contagion yesterday. So when um, when the, the Hong Kong market uh, opened, it certainly added a lot of weight to U.S. stock index futures. So I think a clear sort of contagion effect coming through there, which has obviously spilled over into European and uh, and U.S. stock markets, which, as you say, you know, more than two percent falls pretty much across the board there. So um, so yes, it, it's you know, there's no doubt that um, you know there are some spillover effects. You know, if not directly um you know there's certainly sort of indirect ones in terms of you know what does it mean for you know the financing um, capabilities or the willingness of of the banks to be lending to, to property companies particularly in china uh, but obviously spilling into commodity prices as well so yeah. we saw mining stocks in australia really uh, under the cosh yesterday you know in conjunction with iron ore prices that have gone from the 
they were about $102 at Friday's close on the Singapore Futures Exchange and were down to um, about $91 at one point. They did pull up a little bit um, into the close. So, you know, the view that, um, you know, if the housing market is going under a major, it's going to come under major pressure. What does that mean for new house building? What does that mean for, you know, demand for steel at a time when we know that the Chinese authorities seem quite hell bent on um, reducing steel production, um, you know, for environmental reasons uh, and, and other reasons as we head into the Winter Olympics. So it's been a little bit of a, you know, a perfect storm as far as how that's fed into the um, into the Australian market via what it's done for for mining stocks. So um, mm-hmm. yes, I think uh, contagion is an appropriate word for today. Right, and you know how serious it is because uh, Google search Evergrande is now searched for more than Kim Kardashian. Just cost over today. That gives you an idea of the the enormity of it, doesn't it? Really. Uh, so, uh, what about this global switch to bonds that we're seeing? I mean, is that again fears of the impacts of Evergrande, or some of it could, I guess, be the influence of the Fed this week? Or has, has everyone forgotten about that? You know, because we've got the Fed, you know, t- t- not turning the taps off but slowing them up sometime soon. You'd expect equity markets are going to start reacting to that, aren't they? Well, well, absolutely. So it's a classic. If I, you know, if you're looking at um, you know a risk-off environment and and and. and where are safe haven flows going to be most apparent? I would immediately look to the Swiss franc, the yen, and and US mm. bonds, and where we've seen yields uh, quite yes. smartly lower there, and we've seen the Swiss franc and the yen both outpacing the US dollar, as you said in your intro. And the dollar itself actually is only up what less than 0.2 of a percent, whereas we've got the Swiss franc and the yen both up but half a percent. So that is classic safe haven behaviour. Uh, and the irony, to some extent, is that you know part of I think of the market sort of. Um, concern is that we're heading into the FOMC where I think the market is positioning for a relatively hawkish outcome in terms of you know expecting to come away with a you know a, a clearer notion that the tapering of QE purchases are is set to begin before the end of the year um, and that potentially you know a majority of FOMC members will now be signaling that they think rates should be going up in 2022 um, not uh, mm. not NAB's view but certainly you know positioning in front of that um, you know which has been putting some upward pressure on bond yields but when mm. we have such a risk-off market you know that's yes. clearly gone into uh, gone into reversal it's and uh, overshadowed everything else hasn't it it's basically what you're saying uh, one thing that hasn't overshadowed though is the pound that is the big drop today uh, about half a percent and a lot of that i think stems from what we were talking about yesterday uh, the rising fuel cost there and uh, the contagion that that's creating uh, because it's affecting so many other aspects of the of industries in the uk well no, i think it is and uh, you know listening to you and tapas talking about um, you know a lack of <laughs> a lack of carbon dioxide i mean the irony is not lost on me at least anyway way you know apart from the virus uh, our biggest concern is the um, the excess amount of carbon dioxide existing in the uh, in the atmosphere uh, and here we are with the uk economy seemingly about to be crippled by uh, by the lack of uh, of co2 which as you say feeds into so many industrial well, processes such a confusing uh, place isn't it <laughs> um, but clearly it, you know it clearly is having an impact and uh, obviously it's uh, you know the most direct impact is that you know production mm. of co is it something like 40 percent of of co2 production in the UK comes from um, fertiliser production and the big fertiliser plants have been been shut down because um, the gas prices um, are just too high for them to operate profitably, CO2 being the the, the major byproduct of fertiliser production. So that's really where the rubber has hit the road here in terms of the shortage. And as you say, the number of of sectors, including the ability to uh, 
for the Brits to carbonate their lager is, um, you know, the, the, the implications of that, you know, shouldn't be underestimated, it, I suspect. How but, um, will they get through winter? <laughs> I wonder. Absolutely. I mean, they, they, can't, they can't walk and heat their houses and they can't go to the pub. What are they going to do? Look, and normally uh, this would be a good day for oil, wouldn't it? Because the US announced that they're going to relax restrictions on uh, passengers traveling to the US uh, from November. Now, if you came from Europe, the UK, China, India, South Africa and Brazil, they wouldn't let you in uh, since last year. Uh, but now they're going to lift it for vaccinated passengers. So that, that is quite a big change. And I would have thought you'd get some sort of reaction, perhaps on oil prices, because that's going to push up consumption quite a bit. Uh, but somewhat overtaken by events, I, su- I suggest. No, I think that is certainly the case. So I think it's more about, um, you know, what's happening in China, China slowdown. Certainly, certainly that has been feeding into oil prices. We've got, you know, when you've got safe haven support for, um, you know, for the dollar, albeit, you know, of relatively limited proportions, you know, that tends to have a sort of a negative correlation with commodity prices. And if I look at copper mm. um, off, you know, 3%, um, aluminium's off 0.8, um, nickel is off, uh, what, one and over 1.5%, for example. So I think it's just sort of general, um, you know, sell-off in commodity prices, even though, as you say, um, you know, the reopening of, uh, of travel, to, I mean, two-way travel with the US is, uh, is clearly going to be a positive as far as aviation fuel demand uh, is concerned. But for the time being, I think these sort of global influences are, uh, are overriding. Yeah, right. Today, uh, very soon. In fact, possibly it's already happened by the time you've listened to this podcast, but we don't know what's in it. Uh, the Assistant Governor of the RBNZ, uh, Christian Hawksby, is going to be talking. We are talking about this yesterday because the question is, is he going to give you any indication on the size of the rate rise? You know, we sort of assume it's going to be 25 basis points it would be bold for it to be more than that but there's a chance that it might be Yes, whether we're going to get clues on that, um, you know, who knows? This is a, a speech that was scheduled for a few weeks ago, which has been cancelled because of the uh, the virus outbreak in New Zealand. So the text of the speech, which is about uh, least regrets monetary policy, is, is still going to be passed very, very closely for any clues, knowing that, um, you know, the RBNZ admitted that uh, a 50 basis point rate rise was on the table for discussion last month, even though they ended up not doing anything. Um, and the market itself is, is priced for a about 40 basis points so it's uh, you know pretty much halfway between 25 and 50 basis points when uh, when the reserve bank meets in october so um so that's literally is due out in about uh, 10 minutes time from when we're recording so um um, so w- we'll uh, yeah. we'll see what it has to say but uh, certainly there will be some movement in the kiwi markets on that for sure Right. Well, there's us talking about some something that's already happened. So maybe we should move off quickly. So let's talk about the RBA minutes. They're out later today. But are they going to tell us much, really? Because uh, Philip Lowe has uh, talked quite a bit since then. And obviously, uh, you know, it's all been impacted by subsequent events with, you know, the, the extent of the lockdowns. Uh, and you know, but Freedom Day, you know, getting closer. It, it maybe even October the twelfth is the is the hope for day now, isn't it? If we get the vaccination rates through, that's right. So uh, Tapas is modelling. He's still suggesting that uh, October tenth could be the day that we uh, achieve the uh, the seventy percent, mm. um, you know, fully vaccinated uh, New South Wales uh, population at least. So looking forward to some freedoms there, and, and then you know, within the next sort of two to three weeks. But um, you know, the, I mean, the key message of Phil Lowe's speech, um, you know, week before last. Was, was really that there was still optimism that, um, you know, as and when these uh, freedoms uh, are, are thrust upon us, that we will see a vigorous 
bounce back, which is why they decided to proceed mm. with the um, with the tapering of its QE. Remember, from five to four billion, which is now underway. So it will be surprising for us to be surprised. I'd suggest you, by the by the minutes. Do you think he's right about that? Do you think it will be vigorous? Because I mean, what we're seeing around the world, isn't it, that when we when countries open up, they get uh, outbreaks again, and uh, even though people have been vaccinated, so they don't get seriously ill, they still can't go to work. So you still get these supply problems. That's certainly what we've been seeing in Europe and the UK, and I think to to an extent in the United States as well. No, that that, that, that obviously is the, is the risk, at least anyway. I think the RBA is, mm. is looking at what happened last year um, after we had you know um, localized lockdowns. You know, we did see very vigorous rebound in activity. So there is a little bit of a, a template there, and looking across the ditch to New Zealand. Um, you know, look at the Q2 GDP numbers. Yeah, for it, was, it was far more contained, wasn't it? Of course, and, the, and here we didn't have. You've look at last year, we didn't have the Delta variant. So I think it's a, a different kettle of fish this at this time, isn't it? But look, uh, today uh, we get the uh, Canadian general election, uh, and uh, I mean, t- two questions on that. Uh, does it really matter? Is his question number one? Uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, we went for this early election, didn't he? Because he seemed on top of COVID, but now the numbers are going up. Hospitals are close to capacity in some areas, even for those people who've had the jab and there's talk of a fourth wave. So it's not worked out terribly well for him. So it's, it's actually going to be a close run thing. So are we going to find out later today or not? Um, we may well not. I mean, the, the polls are saying that um, you know the, the incumbent uh, Liberals headed by PM Trudeau are pretty much neck and neck with the Conservatives. So uh, this idea of dashing to the polls on the success of Canada's vaccine rollout may well uh, be seen to, to blow up in uh, in the Prime Minister's face. And um, you know he currently runs a, a, a minority government, and then the polls are suggesting that uh, the best he'll probably do is, is to retain power, but still in a minority in a but minority setup. Um, there are a lot of uh, post ballots this time around and, and given the closeness of the polls the viewers who might not get a result until later in the week and um, does it matter well if we're in for a period of, of political uncertainty um mm. you know because we don't know exactly how the new government's going to be formed then you know other things equal you'd say at the margin that's that could be negative for the canadian dollar but in the scheme of things um i don't think it's going to have major uh, implications Right. Today, uh, also pretty quiet, isn't it, for data. Building permits and housing starts for the United States later on. The uh, the Ricks Bank uh, makes its policy decision today. But, uh, you know, they're already tapering and they're not expected to raise rates until 2024. So that's not going to be terribly exciting, is it? And the OECD publishes its interim economic outlook later on as well, this evening Aussie time. Anything in that you want to talk about before we go? Uh, no, I'd imagine there'll be some forecast downgrades there for the near term, at least simply reflecting, uh, you know, where we are on Delta today compared to uh, what was happening when they last put out their forecasts. Almost certainly. Right, very good. We'll uh, catch you again very soon. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Phil. And that's it this Tuesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning, as usual. I'll see you then. Enjoy your Tuesday.